You're listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Lubbock, Texas. Redeemer Church is a gospel-centered, missional family of disciples making disciples and churches planting churches. If you would like to get more information or donate to this ministry, please visit RedeemerLubbock.org. Right, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name's Dusty. I'm one of the pastors here. Really glad that you're here. Uh, before we jump into our time in the Bible, uh, we're going to just spend a moment in prayer. And uh, I think we're about to celebrate 15 years at Redeemer next week. And I think for 15 years now, that on this Sunday every year that we like to acknowledge two different uh, two different events. You know, one, this is MLK weekend, um, and so that, that's every year that happens here. Also, you know, churches across the country, uh, you know, around the middle of January tend to acknowledge um, Sanctity of Life Sunday, which means um, in the womb for the unborn as well as out of the womb that every human life is um, valued by God. And, and we put these two things together just to, to make a, a point of emphasis and prayer that that um, every human life has dignity and worth and value that's in the scripture. And that would mean in the womb, but also out of the womb. And every race and ethnicity, you put all that together, every human being is, um, is valuable to God. And that means that God sees you and cares about you too, by the way. And so we're going to pray for that. Also, as a point of, of action with that, that we have some um, a handful of wonderful partners in the city. So like Redeemer doesn't have to say, oh gosh, here's this thing. We need to help... Um, you know, women with unexpected pregnancies. Let's develop a ministry here at Redeemer. And oh my goodness, there's uh, there are people that that have a child and they're they're not sure what to do and maybe an abusive. Let's get them in a situation. Let's find something here. And here's foster care. Here's people that don't have enough food to eat. There are people in this city that care about every one of those things, and um, we're able to say, hey, let's partner. Like like let's fund that. Let's volunteer there. And there are several great ministry partners that value the thing that we're praying for. That every human life valuable and sacred and actually care about in the womb and out of the womb all the way until the very end of human life, every kind of person. And so um, if you'd like to go learn more about that, even say, hey, what's one thing I can pray for you? What are your financial needs? Any of that, whatever. They're all out there. You can add on top of your prayer, you can add um, some action to that if you're interested. So um, I want to pray for them and I want to pray for, um, for these things. So let's, let's pray together. Um, Lord, we, um, we know that you value every human being, everyone, and um, for life to flourish, not, not only um, for those out of the womb, but those that are in it, and, um, and also every, every race and ethnicity, um, young and old, male and female, um, those who are orphaned, um, those um, who, um, who are, are hungry, um, all of it, that, Lord, you would provide, you would meet needs, and we have these wonderful people. Lord, thank you for their ministries in this city. Uh, help us to be a blessing to them and that they would be your hands and feet to care for the poor, vulnerable, scared, afraid, all of it. And so, Lord, in your power, that you would, you would step in that gap. Um, and, Lord, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you see us and that you see every human being. What an awesome God that you are. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, um, here's what we're doing today. Um, so as of, um, as of 1030 on Thursday morning, I had a sermon, and I'm going to give it to you. Um, here's the 30-second abstract of that sermon. It was, um, here's, here's the New Testament church. What do we see from this New Testament church? And are, do we see them kind of passively going through the motions and kind of showing up here and there to church and maybe reading their Bible a little bit, but it's all just super casual in, in the background? Or do we see a very engaged church that's listening to uh, the Word of God preached and is actively reading and praying the Scripture and um, caring for their neighbors and sharing their faith and generous in their, with their finances and just all in, sending missionaries and, and 
And, and the answer is yes, that is the early church. And so the abstract of that sermon would be, come on, man, let's, let's quit being passive and let's be like them, you know? And I, I think that's fair and true. Um, and, but here's the reason why at about 1030, I started feeling uneasy about preaching that sermon is that as true as that all is, and maybe we'll have that sermon sometime, or maybe that just lands on you right now. And okay, good. You get a, you got a bonus sermon and I hope that that's helpful for you. Um, is that, man, the only thing that, that like rubbed me wrong about it a little bit is that, um, is that I think this time of the year, all of us are especially, and I think in, in a good way, in a lot of ways, we're like we're reflecting on life and what do I want to be different, you know, this year and you're back at school or you're, you're back into your grind and you're like, man, I want it, I want it to be different is that it can be all these laundry lists of, man, I need to eat cleaner and I need to go to bed earlier and I need to, I need to drink less. I need to whatever, you know, I need to get out, drink less caffeine late in the day. I need to sleep. I mean, all these things. I need to work out more and quit eating bad. I need to start reading my Bible. I need to be at church more. I need to, um, I need to, you know, be more engaged relationally and socially with people. And I need to this and I need to this and I need to this. And honestly, every single thing I mentioned, it are probably pretty good things for your health and even your spiritual life, but it can start feeling really overwhelming really quick. And it's like, there's these 37 things, you know, that really need to change, you know, this January. And it can feel like, you know, that I was just even concerned that that, that sermon could end up be just another, like a spiritual version of that. It's, let's be better basically, you know, and I'm not sure that's actually hundred percent like the, the right message anyways, um, that the grace of God isn't so much saying be better, but Jesus is better and he cares, cares for you and, and all that. So, um, the more I was thinking about it, um, I thought, what would happen if, especially in line with this whole this whole uh, series called "You Are Sent," and that's what we say every at the end of every Redeemer service. If you're new around here, you're going to hear it in about you know 40 minutes. That somebody's going to get up here. It'll be Brandon, and, and he'll we'll read a benediction together, and he'll say, "Redeemer, you are sent." And um, and I I, th- I think one of the things I want to say today is that um, for most of us, that I don't think that more is going to be the answer for this. I don't. And it may be really freeing for us. Now, I think there, there's going to be some of us that are going to need to add some things, some, some critical habits that are going to need to be in place that are going to be really important. But for, there's a lot of us that are not going to need to add a single thing, but have a new intentionality and perspective on the things that you're already doing. So that's where we're going to go. And really, we're, we're blowing the dust off something that um, used to be something in the early days of Redeemer. We talked about at least once a year, um, sometimes entire sermon series devoted to it. It was in our membership. Um, class that you would take to join this church. And honestly, it's grown into a little bit of disuse. And I think that's been a mistake. And I want to I want to just kind of bring it back up here as, as something to say, man, this is a beautiful part of, of what God is calling us to be as a church that may be really freeing for you. And with our, what we call the Redeemer rhythms of things that you're already doing in your life and how we can be a little bit more intentional about, uh, about what God has us doing. So I want to start off in, with a scripture just as a, a starting point for all this in 1 Peter chapter 3. It'll be on the screen. You can read along. If you have a copy of the Bible in front of you, you can read along. We're going to be looking at a few other verses for this, but the context of the overall book of First Peter, as well as chapter three, is Christians that are suffering, which by the way, always, I always get super confused when I hear people teach, hey, if you could just believe God enough and do all the right things and pray the right things and, and all this, then you won't suffer and you won't be broke and you won't be sick and you won't be any of these things if only you believed enough. And I'm like, man, that just doesn't square awesome with the New Testament. It was assuming suffering. And it's great. You can ask for God to alleviate that. And sometimes God in his kindness, he does heal and he does help and he, does, he always provides. But, um, but it's just interesting that there's advice given here for, for suffering saints that are, life is not going as they expected. And so I want to pick up in, in, uh, in chapter 3 
And, um, and, and there's just a, a bit more advice and even a, an interesting note on being sent as um, God sent ones into the world around you. Verse 14, it says, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, in other words, even because you're a Christian, um, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But listen to this. It says, but in your hearts, verse 15 is going to be a key verse for us. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame, for it's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. So it's saying here, while you're suffering, and you have these people around you that, uh, first of all, that, you know, we're going to, the prayer here is that we would want to honor Christ above all, through all of life's circumstances, good and bad, but that there are these people around us that are going to know that we're hurting, you know, we're suffering, but they're going to notice that there's this hope that's in us, that's different and uh, that, that's attractive, or even that they're curious about. And it says, hey, be, be prepared to make a defense so that when someone asks you, like, what gives? I know you're hurting, but there seems to be something anchoring you right now um, in the middle of all this pain uh, that, that you're, you're ready for an answer. And you can point to this transformative grace of God that you've received through the cross, through the resurrection of Jesus, through the Spirit's comfort, and you're able to, to do this. Now, here's what I think this presupposes, what this passage is calling us to do. Presupposes two things. One is that you're in close enough relationship with these people that they would know that you're going through a hard time. And, um, and that secondly, that you have a hope that's in Christ. It presupposes that kind of relationship because someone that doesn't know you wouldn't know the kind of suffering you're going through and the kind of challenge you're going through. It presupposes a relationship. All right. The second thing it presupposes is that you do indeed have a hope that's in Christ. And I think this is the beautiful part of the, of the gospel message of what the scripture is all about is that it's not primarily get with it. Uh, because listen, I, here's what I struggle with. Some of this is because I'm a pastor, but I think it's just my wiring, I struggle with feeling like me and Jesus have a business relationship, you know, that he gives forgiveness. That's, that's his part of the equation. And that I do work for him. You know, I'm a pastor guy and I preach sermons and I tell people about Jesus or whatever the case would be. And it's kind of this transaction. I get forgiveness and he, he gets work. And, but I think we really miss something in that is that I don't think that that's the portrait we see in the Bible. Rather, it's God's grace and it's this transforming that we are loved. We are accepted by God. And, uh, and that if that hope begins to saturate us, that it's not um, primarily a business relationship. Any work we do for Jesus, if we want to call it that, like any ministry, is it's like Reflexive. It's a response to his kindness towards us that um, when we see it that way, we see ourselves primarily as, as ones loved by God and spend our whole life trying to wrap our minds and our hearts around that. Right? And so, um, so do we have a hope? Do we have a hope? And, and so those two things, a presupposed relationship um, with people and then a hope that's real, um, that, that can stand whenever we get battered by the waves of life and all the things begin to happen that is given to us through the cross. So what, what I want to do is uh, talk about honoring Christ in our hearts um, through life's rhythms. And I, I, wanna, uh, I also want to say on the front end that there would be 
I think that churches could faithfully do this in a couple of different ways. One way a church could do this is to say, man, every single need that comes up in our community, we're going to try to pull off an event for it. You know, so for instance, we know there are a lot of people that care about their kids' sports, so we're going to do a sports league for every single sport in Lubbock and have them come to our building and um, our, our indoor-outdoor gym and all that. We need to build that, I guess. And, you know, we're going to have eight nights a week. And what it's going to mean for you to make disciples in the community is be up here eight nights a week, and you can bring your friends with you. I mean, you could do that. Um, if you had all the facilities and money in the world and volunteers, I guess you could. Um, now, what we've chosen to do is to say, look, we've got a, a couple of things. Like, we gather here, we gather in gospel communities, and we do have some ministries that catalyze things with children and youth and college, and, you know, women's events here and there, and we've got men's breakfast coming up. We've got a few things. But for the most part, what we're saying is, man, rather, we, we want to gather and then, and then scatter into our world, and like, really, you're our kind of plan A, B, C, D, E, all the way through, that um, that. That, that's how it is that we, we see this through the things that God is already, uh, where he's already placed you. So uh, with no further ado, let me just walk through what I think is going to be, uh, I'm hoping, a, a real sense of, of burden released for you and rather like new eyes to see where God has already placed you that you might not add any time. There may be a couple of things that are going to be added for some of us, but for the most of you, it's going to be a new perspective and a new intentionality um, with the grace of Jesus where God has already placed you. So here we go. Let's run through them. We've got six of them. Number one. The first one is what I'm going to call the household rhythm, the household rhythm. I'm not going to do any scripture for this one, uh, but this is whoever you, is you live with that would include you as an individual and whoever else that you're there with. All right. So this would be one. These first two rhythms are going to be things that may, some of us may need to add some things. And so for instance, if you're not regularly spending time with God in, in his word and connecting with God in prayer, this would be something that you would want to add. Like you have no shot in life if you're not hearing from God and being encouraged um, with what's true from the Bible, where he tells you what's true about him. He tells you what's true about you. And you hear, you connect with him in prayer. And so uh, you'll hear about this on our announcement time. But if, like, I would love to invite you even right now to jump right into our, we have 15 days of prayer and fasting. And would love for you to read the scripture that's there, pray, and just jumpstart that part of your individual life. And then there's also a spiritual life that relationally, you probably live with people. Some of you may live alone, uh, but a lot of you, uh, a lot of you may live with people. It may be roommates, and it may be a spouse, it may be children. And so um, this is, again, where you already have these people around you, so you don't need to add. You don't need to say, oh, man, I need to go carve out time for um, my spouse. I'm like... He or she, they're like right there, like in that bed, like right there, like you can literally touch, you know, they're, they're right there and you're eating breakfast on the way out of school and all these things. And so um, here's the thing is that sometimes, a confession point is that sometimes Amy and I can be really idealistic with, you know, our family devotional life. And sometimes like we're like, man, if we're not doing, you know, working through this book and this book and this book, if it isn't 20 minutes of like, you know, incredible content, then might as well not even mess with it. And so you end up not doing anything at all. And so let me just give you a challenge. Like if you already have this carved out with your family or your roommates, then that's great. Let me just offer something really simple that uh, this is where your life is already starting to intersect with people, right? Not adding anything is, you know how you're, you grab a meal with your family and your roommates and y'all, maybe everybody microwaves something or who knows, but you're sitting there down. It almost feels like something should happen like right when you sit down. So here's what I'm going to throw out is why not pray right there? And instead of one of the, thank you for this day, thank you for the food, da, 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 that kind of deal is just stop and say, Hey, what's one thing I can pray for you right now? Like what's one thing I can pray? Now, look, what you're going to get from your middle schooler is 
I don't know, pray for school to be good or something. That's what you're going to get. That's fine. And that's fine. You could pray for school to be good. But uh, what's going to be interesting is, is that sometimes there are people that will say, man, I'm nervous about this thing or I got really hurt yesterday and I'm mad about it or who knows what, like things will come up and you can actually pray for one another, maybe even read a short scripture and you could start or, um, or it may even be when you tuck children in bed or when you lay in bed and you and your spouse and you kind of collapse in a heap and you're like, let me, can I just, but you just kind of get that deal there. And even, even just a little baby step of where there's a a spiritual intentionality of, of even naming the grace of God, praying and caring for one another through prayer. And um, it's just, interesting to see the other conversations. And if you're doing more than that, you're like, oh, that's easy. Well, okay, well, that's, that's good. Then you keep on with all the stuff and you could do all the stuff. But even as a first step, that'd be some intentionality with things you're already doing. But some of us may need to start better devotional habits and even start some time in prayer, but you're already there together. Like it really wouldn't be adding anything. Second, uh, second rhythm is what I'm going to call gatherings. And really, again, we've got pretty simple gatherings around here. You're at one of them. So look at you. Um, so there, that's a gathering right there. And then we have gospel communities, which are our smaller groups. And so here's the thing. I want you to look at Hebrews 10. It's a biblical principle to meet together for your good. Um, I'm often, whenever I get you get to sit in a service, I'm like, man, this is the highest yield hour of my whole week. It really is so good. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as the day is drawing near. In other words, the return of Jesus as gathering together um, as a church is so important. Again, for some of us, this is something that needs to be added, although you are here today. Um, so that's good. But here's what I'm noticing a lot, especially post-COVID. I have this conversation a lot with people. They're like, man, like I've just kind of fallen out of habits, you know? And um, I read even sociologists that intersect with a Christian world in the church that say, man, there, there are low, like millions and millions and millions of Christians in, in America that have really basically quit going to church that don't really think of themselves as having left the church. But this is interesting. Like even this week, um, one of our guys was talking to someone that said, man, man, we added it up last year and we came six times. And like, I didn't mean to, you know, but like, it's just fallen way off from trips and vacations and busy schedules and all this. And this isn't me again saying, look, let's do better. That's not actually the point, but there, there could be some that need to say, look, I, I do need like even what it is that I'm teaching our children about what's really important and valuable. And, and even like, I'll, I'll say this for me, like these top two things, like I, I check a lot of boxes here right? Like I I wake up every morning and I spend time in the Bible. I'm here right now on Sundays, most weeks, right? So like I'm at the stuff and even engaged in some kind of relational community. But some of us, again, it may not be added things, but man, there's a part of me that can get real, uh, kind of uh, check the box oriented in my heart and even opening our hearts up to really engage God and even have eyes to see when you come in, um, how many times do you walk in and you're like, hey, how you doing? And somebody's like, good. And you're like, wait, that, that it actually didn't look like they're doing good. And, and one of the things I learned through COVID is how much mutual care of the church even happens here when we gather, even in very short conversations. Hey, how's that job interview? Hey, tell me, tell me how that went last week. I know that was a hard week. Um, heard about the miscarriage on and on, right? And so um, even eyes to see one another and, and even opportunity to invite people with you to this gathering. Maybe your gospel community come to the same service. Hey, 945, let's sit in the back corner or whatever. Um, that these are chances to intersect one another, to en- engage God and engage one another. So where I want to kind of leave these two is that some of us, I will, I will give you that some of us need to start some things here. Uh, better practices devotionally, maybe more consistency. Um, those are going to be good for you. So there may be a little bit of start. 
Um, that would be the only more that we're going to talk about. But I bet there's half of you in this room that really, truly, not any one thing needs to be added. You're already here. You're probably more like me in this. You're already you're doing a lot of the stuff, uh, but maybe new eyes to see, a more engaged heart with the Lord, and even eyes to see uh, people around you, right? Um, a little bit more intentionality in these ways. Now, the next four, here's what's really cool. You're already doing all four of these things right now. You're doing awesome. Like you're, you're going to go, uh, you're going to go four for four. You're participating in all these things. And this is going to be a call, um, maybe less more, but more intentional uh, to be used by God as his sent ones right where he's placed you already. So here's number three. Uh, three is work. Now I'm going to develop this one a lot less just because I preached a whole sermon on this one, the topic of vocation last week. Vocation is what you do with your day. And I thought this one was so important. We dedicated a whole Sunday to it. And, you know, so that means you're a stay-at-home parent, you are an accountant, you are working construction, you are a school teacher, you are whatever. It doesn't matter. You're doing any of those. That's vocation. You're a retiree. It's what you do with your day. And um, this one is going to be a lot just you. In other words, not you and your Christian friends uh, most of the time, although I do think there's some interesting points of intersection here. But um, here's the thing, is this is what gets exciting to me, is the stay-at-home parent, you are the one at the playground with the other parents and kids at three o'clock. I'm not there. You're there. You're the one that is at the teacher break room. Um, that's a room you're in. I'm not there. You're the one uh, rounding um, with other physicians and nurses. I'm not there. You're there. You're the one, like, this is an interesting one. I was seeing a family member the other day, and um, they work, they do commercial construction, and they were there, and there's, there's this believing man that's there. And, um, and, and my family member had been talking to this guy about me. And uh, so here's the interesting thing is that believing man is, is in this construction trailer with a room full of people that I, I don't think that most of the rest of them are Christians. I am not in that construction ta- uh, trailer day in, day out. He is in that construction trailer. And so um, we are God's sent ones into our vocation. And you can go back and listen to that sermon from last week if you want to see more of the biblical defense for that and why it's important. But this is um, one thing that can be exciting, though, is um, there can be sometimes some intersection where um, you invite some of your work friends with some of your church friends to watch um, the Cowboys game. I mean, who knows on that one? But you, you invite, or maybe it's the Bucks game, depending on who you are, and you invite them over. And I, I love seeing those environment where um, there's, there's a, you know, a bit of a mix on those. But that'd be one is just some intentionality. You're already at work, uh, but what's our focus there? What kind of work are we trying to do? And even how are we looking to engage people? And by the way, your vocation, if you're a college student, middle school, high school, any of that is students. That means your sorority house. That means um, your athletic team means your intramural team. It means your your classmates. That's what all of that means. Um, Those are people that you can engage um, and with the gospel message of Jesus. Uh, Next is meals. Meals. Um, you eat, according to my calculations, roughly 21 of those. Even if you do intermittent fasting, 14, all right? So, and some of you are like, no, I eat six a day. Okay, well, then you can just multiply it out. Um, check this out. I love this about Jesus. Look at this in Mark. Um, he went out again beside the sea. All the crowd was coming to him, talking about Jesus, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. By the way, that's not a good thing. Uh, tax collectors were pretty much hated. Um, and it would be like us saying, and, and uh, Levi was a longhorn or something like that. I'm Just imagine. Now, that's kind of what it would be. Just kidding, longhorns. Um, not really. Sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. 
And then he does. He follows him. And he reclined at the table in his house. Many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, uh, for there were many who followed uh, him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, thought, man, this is really neat. That's cool that he's engaging people even with a bit of a past. No. Uh, He says, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And and when they heard it, they said, uh, this is Jesus' response. He says, look, those who are well, they don't need a doctor. But uh, those who are sick, and I didn't come for the righteous. In other words, those who think they're fine, I came for for the sick. I love this about Jesus, that Jesus would sit down and have uh, meals with uh, people that um, weren't thought of. Like being around these people did not help you climb the social ladder, you know. Um, They're like, you're with those people. And that's like the person we follow, you know? Now, I'm not talking about, like, you could be conformed into that, but in terms of engaging people with a meal and inviting people in terms of hospitality into your home, into your life, you going into their home and receiving their hospitality, having a working lunch with someone, um, or even just meeting up for coffee, whatever, that um, there's something really powerful about that. One of my favorite things at Redeemer, this hasn't happened as much lately, but especially when Redeemer was first starting, Sometimes I would have a friend from another church that would almost come tattle on a church member and be like, hey, I don't know if you know this, but some of your church members, um, they, they, uh, they're, they had uh, so-and-so over and, and they're, they're a pretty big partier and I just thought you should know. And I was like, let's go, man. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. And, and not to be conformed into that, but including and loving. Like this is like the person that we follow. This is exactly what he did is engaging people and um, eating and, um, and having relationship in that way. Now, here'd be my specific ask is would you consider, if you've got 21 meals a week, uh, consider tithing those. Um, that, that would be 2.1, round that up to three. Uh, consider tithing uh, three meals a week. And that might, may mean... You're at work, and instead of just eating your lunch in your um, office and closing the door, is um, saying, hey, let's go eat at that Thai place uh, next door, or let's eat our lunch together in the meeting room. Or, um, and so it could be a chance to get to know someone, meeting with some of your community here for lunch or coffee, including people into your home, cooking a meal, um, accepting an invite to come over. And it's as simple as that. Like even last night, we were kind of tired, but we had some friends say, hey, come over and watch the Tech UT game. Why don't you come over? We'll order food. And so we just showed up, and it was nothing fancy. And it was just a chance to connect. Would you consider giving, you know, two, three meals a week um, to engaging specifically um, and even using these meals as a chance to deepen relationship and connection? Um, I think it's a beautiful thing. Uh, Next, you are having meals. Why not be intentional? Uh, Next, rest and recreation. Rest and recreation. Um, I'm going to use 1 Corinthians 10.31 here. Um, This is a verse that will apply to you eat and drink, but it's more than that. It says, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. So here's the thing. When it's, we start getting into the junk drawer of whatever you do, you have hobbies. You have vacations you like to go on. You have things that you just enjoy doing. Why not include other people with you on that? Why not? Um, so, for instance, um, I'll give you some examples from my, my past. Um, so back in the day, um, you know, obsessively um, sports-oriented, shocker. Uh, I've grown a lot since then. Um, and so I, I would want to do two things is, you know, played intramurals uh, pretty much every night of the week. And, um, and so why not, uh, why not just be good if you're going to play intramurals? So I was always looking for, for ringers. And one of those um, was this guy named Brent who runs our gospel communities now. And I, I, they'd asked me to play with them at a tournament one weekend. I was like, man, that guy, all he would do is hit new. I'm telling you, like every at-bat, home runs, pretty much, incredible shortstop. And, um, and so at that time, Brent wasn't act- actively following Jesus, and I thought, man, this is an incredible opportunity to do 
um, to do two things at once. One is we're already playing in your murals. Why not, why not do that? Secondly, to be really good. And so um, you could do all those things at once, right? Um, and then even now, like, man, one of my favorite things is, um, is like the, the opportunity to be like, when now my kids are the ones that are doing all that. And um, again, you could, you could factor this in for how it, what it is that you do. We have some of you, I just saw someone does a running, has a running partner that um, they've, they run anyways, and they've invited people to run with them, and they run weekly, and they're talking about Jesus now. Um, so for me, one of the things that's so exciting for me is with the, the sports that my kids play on is to um, invest in those kids, invest in those families. And when it gets really fun is you've got maybe some Redeemer families and kids on that team, and you've got um, some people that aren't actively following and Jesus on that team. And if you want to get me really fired up is whenever I get a chance to, uh, some of those start coming here or I get a chance to baptize the kid or uh, one of their parents, something like that. Um, these are things that we're already doing. Like you, you already have things that you do. You like to rock climb. Um, you like, I know somebody that, that involves people in a scrapbooking, scrapbooking club. I mean, on and on with the things that you like to do, you're off time, disc golf, whatever, your stuff that you like and a show that you like to watch that might make my head explode, but you like it and you watch it with a bunch of friends. So um, those kind of things are, are incredible and you already are doing those things. Why not be intentional and let this be an on-ramp onto your life with some of your believing friends as well as some of your friends who are not. Final one, celebration and mourning. Celebration and mourning. Um, Romans 12 verses 14 and 15. We're gonna get to this in just a few weeks. Um, and we're going to restart the book of Romans. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. So here's the thing. Um, the whole context of 1 Peter, if you remember that, back in chapter 3 was suffering. So when you suffer or when you celebrate, it's an on-ramp onto your life. Um, whenever someone else celebrates or suffers, it's an on-ramp onto theirs. So when there's a death when there's a miscarriage, when there's a loss, a loss of job, when like that's an on-ramp, that's an opportunity for you to, to step in there. Um, it's also that for you is it doesn't mean you're always the giver. Sometimes you have a loss. Sometimes you have a celebration. These are on-ramps onto your life. And what a beautiful thing it is to celebrate with those who celebrate and weep with those who weep. And we can be that. I've seen some of our gospel communities just go so deep when someone's went through some serious suffering, maybe with their health, maybe with the loss of someone, a death, um, it's a beautiful, beautiful statement, and, and I love that um, this is how God can form us, and these are, it should even hit you know, like your antenna a little bit when you hear someone say, man, I'm going through a tough time. It should even be, be a thought to you of, oh, this is a chance to engage, and here's the thing that's crazy. If you look at these things, especially three through six, like these are not adding one thing. You already have something you do with your day. You already eat meals. You already have things you like to do. You already like these celebration and mourning are going to find you and they're going to find everyone you know. Like that, that's just part of life for everyone that you know. Like that is not adding one thing. And honestly, for a good chunk of you, even points one and two are not adding anything at all. Like no extra things at all. God's not saying, uh, give me more here. Rather, um, he's put you where he's put you. And this is the part that gets me really fired up to think about this is like when I look at a passage like Acts 2 that was going to be a critical passage for the sermon I was going to preach. And it's all the stuff about the early church. And look at them. They were actively engaged in generosity and they're sharing their faith and hundreds of people were being added to their number on a daily basis. And, and they were committed to the preaching of the Bible and they were taking communion and they're in each other's homes and they're in each other's lives. And, and that sermon was going to be, let's be like that. 
you know? And I mean, maybe a good sermon, you know? Uh, I mean, it's important. And, and I do want to reflect that, um, that vitality of the early church. But here's a thought, is like, how did all those people show up at these gatherings where the word of God was being preached? Like, how did that happen? Like, how did they even know? From the billboards? The billboards from the, the social media game of First Baptist Jerusalem, um, of the, I'm like, what, TikTok videos that went viral? I mean, what it was, and I'm not throwing any shade on that stuff. Let's do everything we can so that Jesus can be known. But like how, how all that happened was like neighbors that their kids like to play together. And, um, and this mom had been like drastically changed by the beauty and the grace of God who says, hey, I just need to tell you about something that's changing my life right now. And, and um, hey, in fact, do you want to come here, hear these things taught with me and go to these gatherings? And, and it was these people that work together and they're uh, maybe, you know, making carpets or tables. And um, they, they had been through these things and, and maybe this coworker of this guy had been going through a hard time and, and he had served and loved him well. And, and in the middle of that, it just naturally led to a man I mean, walk me through. You seem like you're navigating through these things differently than me. Walk me through that. And he said, well, let me tell you about the hope that I've got. And, and then uh, introducing them to Christ through that way and um, children that are friends and people that um, got to know each other just through the marketplace and different things that they did. Like it was ordinary people. Like sometimes uh, we read some of those early church things and it's, and it's like, ah, you know, like they're, they're in a different plane. Um, and surely the spirit was doing some really unique things. But I can also assuredly tell you these were normal people doing normal things, befriending neighbors, eating meals, including people into their lives, going into their homes, just day-to-day normal stuff with gospel intentionality. And that's really where it is that, that um, I want to leave you with today is um, perhaps the Spirit's pressing on you for like some new habits in your devotional life and your engagement with the church. Uh, but my hope is going to be that you feel even the freedom of God to where God has placed you uniquely to be one of Jesus' sent ones, to bring the hope of Jesus to where you live and no one else in this room has your exact set of circumstances, the exact set of relationships. And that gets me really fired up to think about. And even that some of us here that aren't Christians would know the hope of God's grace. And I'm even hoping even in this sermon, there's something compelling about man that he would love me like this and he would, he would even want want to use me and not have to jump through a million religious hoops necessarily, but right where God has placed you. So I'm going to pray that that would be true. Lord, for um, every person here, I don't know all the struggles and challenges. There may be some health problems, um, challenges with children, depression, um, unique hobbies, um, hard things, beautiful things. I can't imagine all that's represented in this room. Lord, would you redeem every bit of it and that we would be your sent ones and even feel uh, even a deep breath of freedom to know um, that there's just not all these extra hoops to jump from and that, Lord, you'd use us. Use us in the city and even missionaries that you may send out from here and church planners would be just replicating this, um, just ordinary life that would be lived with intentionality. Lord, let it be and that your grace would permeate us so there would be a hope that's real in us. Um, that's been formed by your grace. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.